thank you for arriving here today. Thank you for taking the time to listen and be a part of Maximal Being and this meditation podcast. We'll start off, if you wouldn't mind, by closing our eyes for a short practice and get us ready for this session. So with our eyes closed, we'll start breathing normally. Have a straight back. Your head is being pulled up from the heavens, from your sacrum. And just start by breathing in to your navel center, into your belly, expanding. And then when you breathe out, bringing the stomach in slightly, pushing that air out. Now breathing in through the nose. On your next in-breath, we'll breathe all the way into the stomach, expand, go up into the chest and the rib cage, all the way to the top of your lungs. Hold for a second. And then out through the nose, expel out the same way, down the chest and pushing out through the stomach, bringing with a slight, slightly in. And do that two more times. And now with your next in-breath, we'll come back to a normal breathing and a quiet mind. And before we come out of this, before we open our eyes, I want you all to, as you open your eyes, let your gaze, and don't do this now, but when your eyes do open, let your gaze slowly bring your eyelids up and have a wide and open, expansive view of the world that you're in. Bring no judgment. Do not fixate. Have a wide and open view of acceptance. And so when you're ready, you may open your eyes. Thanks for all, all, all going through that with me, guys. Um, hopefully you were able to uh, you know, notice if your mind started to wander or if your attention got drawn one way or the other, or, or simply you have a clear slate and you feel good. So, uh, Jackie, uh, over to you. Thank you, Chris, and welcome, Maximal Beings. Uh, this, that was a little different introduction, but I think on a podcast with mindfulness, why not just jump in with both feet? Uh, I am your happy layman, Jackie P, with no scientific or medical background. I do know that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell and make sure that you all remember that because that's the only thing you'll keep if you have my type of science experience. With me is your favorite doc, Doc Mock, here. Um, and we have Chris here and also Ellie who will Help us talk a little bit about mindfulness and maybe review a little bit what we just went through. Uh, Doc Mock, over to you. What's going on, Maximal Beings? Doc Mock here. So excited to have these guests on. Um, I will admit I've known both of our special guests today for their entire lives. Um, Ellie Mock-Taylor is my sister, um, also an exceptionally gifted therapist. And then Christopher Schroep is an amazing leader in the field of uh, mindfulness and meditation. He certainly has gotten me to my next level in my meditation practices. And Jackie P, as always, I haven't known you your whole life, but it feels like I've known you your whole life. It feels like forever. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just (laughs) like the first time every time. Um, So today's discussion, um, you know, will will be a great one. I, I I, I am very excited to talk to these people about it. So I, I'm Doc Mock. I'm a therapeutic endoscopist, gastroenterologist. 
functional medicine uh, practitioner uh, practicing here in Cleveland, Ohio. And um, over to you, Ellie Mock Taylor. Hey, Maxwell Beings, this is Ellie Mock Taylor. I'm happy to be back on the podcast today. I am a uh, licensed clinical counselor. I practice in the state of Maryland, currently working in Baltimore. I work with mostly families and children and adolescent in an outpatient setting. Also like to practice myself and teach mindfulness and meditation pretty much on a daily basis. And Chris, over to you. Thanks, Ellie. Chris Schroep here. I, uh, gosh, what great words, Doc Mock. I appreciate that introduction. I, I'm, I, I just uh, practice yoga and meditation. I've been doing that for uh, two decades now and really enjoy it and have opened that doorway for a number of others as well. And uh, my day job is I, I worked in enterprise software technology. You cannot supplement your way to health. But there are things that we need to add to our lives that can maximize our pathway to wellness. The American diet is virtually devoid of omega-3 fatty acids, which play a major role in cardiovascular disease, gut permeability, and mental health. Personally, I take omega-3s every night and iHerb is the best place for clean, natural sources of supplements. I love the ZenWise Omega-3 Fatty Acid Supplement, which is free of fish burps, and good for the environment. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com slash iHerb, that's I-H-E-R-B, and enter the code B as in boy, D as in dog, B as in boy, 5528, and receive 10% off your orders for all supplements. Maximize your supplements with iHerb. Welcome to Maximal Being a GI doc and ICU nurse that break down the science so you can exceed your gut health, nutrition, and fitness goals. So, let's smash the bro science and optimizing your health with your hosts, Doc Mock and R.N. Graham. Oh. So, I am particularly happy about this podcast because I practice mindfulness as much as possible. Obviously, there's always room to grow, but Mindfulness, I think, is something that's often looked over when it comes to almost everything, mental health, being happy, pain management. I can talk for hours on just like, you know, times that I've used mindfulness just to kind of get through things. So what I want to do is we'll start off with just the basics because I am the layman. So I got to make sure that we're all starting from the same page. Chris, can you, you know, for someone who's never heard of mindfulness, someone who's never meditated, you know, break down what mindfulness means in meditation, just, you know, what it is from a, a high level point of view. Yeah, yeah, sure. And maybe the highest level is looking at the Wikipedia definition. Uh, so, <laughs> that works. Uh, great, great. Yeah. So meditation is a, a practice uh, where individuals use techniques, such as techniques such as mindfulness. Um, and, uh, and others, right? You can walk, you can do this um, and a number of other activities uh, where you focus the mind on a particular object, thought or activity to train, and this is the important part, to train the attention and awareness to achieve a mentally clear and emotionally calm, stable state. And I'll go a little bit further um, by saying that uh, there's a, this idea of presence, Ha what is the present moment? A lot of people say present moment awareness, right? And so if you break down presence, there's a, there's a guy who, who died a, uh, a little while ago. His name was Doug Sibley, and he came out with this a presence-based leadership group. And I really like, I'm really fond of his whole definition of presence, which is presence is an internal state, the inclusive awareness of stillness, immediacy, and possibility. And so each three of those things can be broken out further. So stillness is a place uh, within that lies underneath everything. Um, immediacy is what's emerging in the, in the moment. And possibility is insight arising in the space of unknown. So being, you know, in the present moment, whereas you're still and allowing possibilities to come with you, come to you. Um, by, by being in that moment and not being distracted by 
there's there's a number of different hindrances, but I think that's a quick start. How does that <laughs> does that make sense to you, Jackie? Um, it does. It does. Okay. It 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 it's and I'm going to feed it back to you so I could break it down even further. It's really, I think, in my opinion, and tell me if I'm wrong, um, I think it's just taking the moment to be still. You know, I think this may be oversimplification, right? But when they say stop and smell the roses, it's like stop and focus on the roses and what they smell and, and what the fragrance is, right? It's not thinking about how they're growing or where you are, or, you know, you're late to work or you got bills you got to pay. So it's about like, you know what? I'm gonna take a moment. I'm gonna smell the roses, and just having that moment. Um, and 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 Ellie is as as well. You know, you you are a health mental health therapist, right? So you know, there are practical ways, right? I'm assuming that you have yourself maybe experienced mindfulness, and maybe you've had patients who've taken up the practice of mat, uh, mindfulness. Um, can you maybe? Talk a little bit about, you know, how you incorporate it in your practice. Sure. Yeah. I think um, what, how Chris described it, like said, is very high level working with kids and teens. I have to break it down into a much um, easier way of understanding it, but it all ties in together, right? It's just this idea of being in the moment and being present. You're not thinking about what happened in the past. You're not thinking about what happens, what may or may not happen in the future. Like you said, Jackie, what your plans are, what you have to do. It's just being in the moment right now. And it can definitely come in forms like meditation. I find um, a lot of people I work with, and I can say the stigma of myself when I started the practice as well as I don't want to sit on a pillow in a room with a gong and, you know, have to cross my legs and sit in silence, like not for me. So you can do a lot of other things. Mindful eating is a really exciting thing. A lot of kids like mindful walking, um, you know, literally stopping and smelling the roses. I think one of the easiest places to start, just use your five senses in the moment. You know, you smell, see, hear, touch, and maybe may, may or may not taste depending on what's going on. But, you know, it's just the idea of even for that minute, focusing on what's happening in front of you non-judgmentally, which is also another key that Chris had mentioned before. Um, you know, our society, I think we're all our own worst critics. So we tend to judge everything we do. I found even in my own practice just now what Chris was leading, I'm sitting thinking, I wonder what I look like on camera. You know, what am I going to eat for dinner later? Do I look silly with my eyes closed? You know, all those kinds of things. And just being able to say, okay, I noticed that I'm thinking that. And now I'm going to focus on my breathing again, just like Chris is telling me to do. So that's kind of uh, like the basics of how I use it, Jack P. That's that's normally how I I start. Interesting. And and you you brought up something that I thought was interesting, right? You, and and Chris did did say you know to look at things non judgmentally. Chris, in in your own words, like what what does that mean, right? Because I open my eyes, and you know, I I have to be honest. Like Ellie, I was like, I wonder how goofy I look with my eyes closed, right? <laughs> so, so the first thing I opened my eyes, and for a good second, I wasn't focused on anything. But then I looked at myself, and maybe this might be a little bit different because we can see ourselves. But what what does that mean, right? Open your eyes non non judgmentally. Is it, you know, like how would you explain that for a first timer? Yeah, yeah. I would, I would, I would, okay, so for me here, I have this, this uh, window you guys can't see, but if you were with me, you'd be able to see this beautiful view of uh, just brown grass and some snow that's melting and a gray sky, but yeah. Um, sometimes, so imagine if I'm looking out this window and I'm, and I'm not being non-judgmental, right? Um, I, and I say I see a cat walk, walk into the yard, right? And the intention is to not let the mind wander to a place that's um, that's a, 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 a taking you into future or bringing you into the past. The cat's not doing anything; it's just walking. But if I was to say, "Hey, is that cat gonna, you know, dig up my, you know, brown grass and start messing around with it?" Or, you know, because I, I know I another cat did that, you know, and I'm not being present. I'm looking into the past and thinking about what could happen. And I'm not actually here, which is taking away from action. 
cat has no intention to do that. It's just walking, going to jump over the fence. But as soon as I bring in that judge, that judgmental, that, that ill will, so to say, mental state, you're not actually able to be present in this reality. The only thing that matters is now. Not what happened in the past, not what could happen in the future, because you create every moment right now. And so I would say, you know, removing past and the, pre- in the, in the future and any, in- any, any type of attachment to that, just being in the present moment. Uh, does that help, Jackie? No, I, I, I think that that does help a lot. Um, I think just the way we're wired as humans, we're always looking to see, you know, what, how will this end? You know, what are the, right? Like what is, what's the casualty of this action, right? And just not taking it like, hey, that is a cat walking on the fence. That is it. Don't know where he came from. Don't know where he's going. It doesn't matter. I just need to see a cat walking on the fence, which I think with takes a lot of practice, Right. Um, for for well, most first timers. Well, you know, exactly that, Jackie. I mean, we're conditioned. Right. You think about what is the oldest portion of the brain, it's the amygdala. And that has been for all of human life. You know, it's we've only had the neocortex for like, you know, the last 10 percent or so of human human history. So it's really just like another layer on top of the brain. And the default is the amygdala. And you get this thing of amygdala hijacking. Right. Or because, and that the amygdala is all survival, right? And and um, you, it can, you see something, right? That, that's a, that's the problem with some um, of the senses. If you hadn't experienced something before, you had the amygdala will come in and say, "Hey, do I need to fight, flight? It'll raise anxiety level, or it'll raise you, you know, level so you will act or do something. Um, but do you need to in today's environment where there's not? You know, you're not on the on the savanna with like a spear or a bow trying to hunt. Someone's not trying to hunt you and you're not trying to hunt someone else. So you always in survival. No, but that's the default mechanism of the brain. And that's why it's so hard. And for. Yeah. So that's why I think it's it's very hard to uh, get around that. And it's why the brain is just like the muscle. You need to train it. Right. Um, you know, the spleen excrete everything, everything in the body excretes something. And so does the brain. It excretes, excretes thoughts, which can be useful, not useful. It's all about training how you work best uh, with that process, I, I think. But Interesting. Um, I like that because, you know, the mind is a muscle. And a lot of folks don't think about that or they don't remember that. So, you know, you, you talked about that fight or flight, right, in the amygdala. Right. And I got to hit the layman card here and I'm, I'm gonna tap on you doc mock let's 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 get into the, the the science and the actual changes with like right the meditation and the mindfulness right um so from what i understand right it there it does there are changes to your brain is there can you kind of expand a little bit on on that doc Right. So, you know, Chris did an excellent job of, you know, starting off the conversation in terms of neurobiology. So the amygdala is this part of your brain. It's your reptilian brain. It is the most basic form of human survival, right? It's what tells you to run away from, from that lion, like, like Chris was saying. On top of that are different layers of higher functioning. You know, that, that is your ability to make a podcast say, or to, to lead a meditation. And those are things like the prefrontal cortex that does a lot of our conscious decision-making, but along with that, there are millions and millions of other areas, but the hippocampus, which is in charge of a lot of your memory. And the way I always remembered that in medical school is a hippo never forgets. And then the temporal parts of your brain, that's what leads compassion. They have done studies where they placed people in MRIs or these imaging uh, centers before and after starting a regimen of meditation. And what they found is that before they did the meditation, people tended to have overactivity in their amygdala centers. So in that fight or flight complex, but after instituting these meditation practices, that amygdala actually shrunk in size in just a 12 week time period. And actually the prefrontal cortex, hippocampus and temporal lobes, all of those areas grew. 
there was another study where they matched people that were in their um, 20s who had not done any sort of mindfulness with people in their 40s and 50s who did do mindfulness practices. And what they found is that before their imaging was much different, right? People that were older showed a lot of uh, changes that would you would see with aging. But after instituting a meditation practice, these people actually were able to have brains that looked almost the same way as people that were in their 20s, which I think is remarkable in terms of the ability for our brain to change and mold, which to be honest with you, is, is a fairly newish concept in, in medicine, which is very, very exciting. Um, so I'm going to turn it back over to my sister. You know, a lot of these studies that we talked about or looked at uh, kind of put mindfulness in opposition with Western medicine as kind of like the control group, like cognitive behavioral therapy, like mm-hmm. you propose. Do you recommend both to people or do you only pull out one tool for one person and another tool for another person? That's a great question, Doc Mock. I wish I could give you like, this works every time for everyone all of the time. You know, I think both of them have benefits as do even, you know, any type of medication route or anything like that. They're all proven and there's tons of studies for benefits as well as risks. I think the hardest thing is that you can have a lot of benefits with meditation and mindfulness if you can, I mean, if you can do the work, right? It's practice, it's training. If you compare it to people who weightlift or train for a marathon, you have to commit and you really have to say, okay, for the next X amount of weeks, I'm practicing for this many minutes or hours a day. And I think that can feel really daunting to a lot of people where they might say, well, I can just take this medicine and it's going to have the same effects and it's going to just be quicker. And while it might be quicker, the long-term effects are way different, right? Like you're not going to grow the, those areas of the brain, like you're talking about, and you won't have that long-term coping of being able to be present and kind of regulate your body and regulate your emotions and your thoughts. So it kind of gets tailored to the person, the place, the situation. Um, You know, unfortunately, I tend to see kids and teenagers that have quite a lot of trauma and a lot of anxiety and depression. So certainly you can't just say, all right, go, you know, meditate for five minutes a day. And all of a sudden you won't feel, you know, the way you're feeling every day. But I think generally it's still a really great place for people to start no matter I guess, how severe your symptoms are or how, what it is that you're coping with. It's just a really good practice to, for your overall wellness, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Um, The other things are also very helpful and they have their, their areas, but I wouldn't recommend CBT for every single person in every situation, which is cognitive behavioral therapy for those who don't know Um, a very prescribed and manualized way of doing, um, looking at your thoughts for people who are anxious um, or depressed or have trauma in their lives. Whereas mindfulness and meditation can be pretty much used for almost anything. Does that help Doc Mock? Yeah, absolutely. Um, For, for Chris, you know, uh, we've been talking about thus far that meditation equals mindfulness, right? That those are synonymous with each other, but They aren't, right? And in fact, out in Colorado, you practice a lot of other mindfulness practices. So you want to just go ahead and educate everybody on other things that people can do? Yeah, yeah, sure. Good distinction. Um, So you can, like Thich Nhat Hanh, you can walk every step, being present, from lifting your heel to placing the next one down. as Ellie alluded to earlier, uh, you can do mindful eating practices, which, yeah, highly, hi, highly useful. That's actually like one of the, I remember, you know, first time doing that, I was like, wow, this, now that I'm eating so much slower, that's so many textures and flavors I was missing. Um, but I would say um, sitting, uh, everyone, you know, you can be mindfully sitting, um, you know, without meditating. Um, I would, I would say it's another way. Um, let's see. I, 
I feel like mindfulness can be, you can do a number of things mindfully. Um, mindful brushing your teeth, yeah, mindful washing exactly. your face, mindful showering. I mean, really, it's like anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Does that help cover it off? I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, though. Yeah, I think so. And and nature walking is another one that comes to mind, yeah. which, you know, you you definitely are like the grandmaster of outdoor activities. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I think that nature is like a twofer, like just the fact of being within nature, we've talked about on prior podcasts can reduce blood pressure, can improve stress levels, can help with sleep. Um, but it's also a mindfulness practice because you're, you have, you're forced to only focus upon the surroundings, the beauty of nature around you. You don't have cars honking at you, people flicking you off, like, you know, protests next to you. It's it, all it is, is you and nature just walking through. So, yeah, you know, I think Doc, it, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ellie. I was thinking Doc Mock, when you said that even, even the idea of noticing those noises can be mindfulness too, right? Because I think about a lot of the people I work with live in the city. So getting them to put their phone away when they're walking down the street, take your earbuds out, turn your watch off so you don't get notifications and just experience the walk. Even saying, I'm really annoyed right now because this person won't walk faster. That's mindfulness, right? Or I'm, you know, I'm noticing this person driving is honking their horn or playing really loud music there's mindfulness too, but you're not distracted by like, oh, I've got emails I have to read and I've got that video call later today and my mom won't stop texting me about X, Y, Z. Um, you know, I think it, it, it can be so much easier than people are saying, or people might think, which is what I think we're, we're all kind of saying and is important to remember. Yeah, and Ellie, actually, as you mentioned that, I, I, you, you just brought something upon me that I want to share, which I think mindfulness very much is being, being able to respond, not react. Yeah. Right. And, and like, if you hear a car honking is your reaction to freak out at this guy, flip him off. Right. Or is that just something that's happened because you know, there's a jaywalker or whatever. I think, in many of these circumstances, if you, for, to be, I think, mindful is to see yourself in, to see yourself as a player, to, to be able to take um, a third person view of the situation and yourself within it and, and how, and, and understanding the situation yourself within it and then being able to respond. Uh, so just wanted to share that. Appreciate the share. You know, Jackie, us being like probably more the novices in the room with meditation, I know one of the biggest things for me that was hardest to overcome was, yes, that like stigma that like everybody that meditates has to wear yoga pants and sit in the room. But like, and I'm not knocking that at all. Um, But also that when your mind wanders during a meditation that you haven't lost that it's not like you've lost the game if you start thinking about those work emails and then the whole session is over. I'm not good at it anymore. I mean, did you have any of those similar pitfalls, Jackie P? Oh, yeah. Um, I think my life is always a million things at once. Like, I've always liked to pile things on and balance and juggle things and work and this and, you know, and I have a son now too. So I always when I first started and, you know, a little backtrack about my experience of mindfulness, my father, as long as I can remember when I was young, he always used to make us meditate. And when you're like a eight year old kid and all you want to do is go outside and, you know, play and get dirty, you don't have the time for it. Right. But as obviously, as we all do, right. We realize our parents knew way more than we gave them uh, benefit for. Um, I realized like, I thought, I always thought that like, I can't meditate because the second I close my eyes, I'm thinking of a million things. And, you know, one thing, and I believe Ellie might've said, right, like you can address that you're thinking about it, but then you can put that away. And then your brain, you know, you'll learn to move on. So when I, you know, there's a personal thing, but for me, when I first started meditating, I, I have sickle cell. So I started meditating because I used to have pain. So I used to have to like, you know, sit and just think and just like, it's kind of goofy, but I said, like, like, imagine just like a wave 
just like flushing the pain out and it lasts for a minute but like that's what really started like oh you know like this I don't know if it's a placebo. I don't know if it like working, but it's something to do. And it, and it, I feel like it worked. And that basically started me on the whole, like paying attention to things. And when I felt like I had a, a, a scratch in the back of my throat, I said, you know, I'm not getting sick. I don't get sick. Right. And just kind of really, you know, thinking about like, okay, how am I in this world and how am I connected to things and how are they connected to me? And just, not really ever worrying about like what tomorrow is, right? We prepare, we pay our bills, we work and everything. But a lot of that worry and anxiety and stress comes from living in that reality, right, Chris, that you talked about, that doesn't exist, right? That cat is not digging up your flowers. You're living in that world, right? Let the cat walk down the fence, right? So, um, th- but it took a long time. And that's what, you know, we all have to remember that if, if you're starting, you've never been thought of mindfulness. You can't just jump in and meditate for an hour <laughs> and just be calm. Right. Like, you know, like you, you got to start somewhere. Right. So, you know, um, Ellie, have you, you know, with your patients, when you've introduced, you know, mindfulness activities and meditation, like, you know, what would you say that you told them to start, you know, like, did you tell them like to start small? Like how would, how would that play into your practice? That's a great question. And I love that both you and Doc Ma kind of brought up some of the perceived failures, right? But I, I, and that's one of the reasons that a lot of the people I work with don't like doing it. It, it gets the, it feels that it's this doubt, these self, self-critical thoughts, right? That judgment we keep talking about as opposed to just the acceptance piece of it. And I would say that's the number one thing. I'll do a two minute thing or just a, the five senses, which could take 30 seconds if someone just rolls through it. And they're like, okay, well, I don't feel any different. Or I thought about so many other things, like I suck at this or, you know, whatever it is. And it's important to normalize it. You know, let's be honest. And Chris, you can probably speak to this because you've been doing this way longer than me, but I've been doing it for about a year pretty consistently. I could do a five minute meditation and I still have tons of thoughts that go through my head. I think the difference is the more you do it, the more of a master you become of being able to quiet them and refocus. And that's one of the most important pieces because you're trying to retrain your brain to be able to kind of accept it and just let it go and live in whatever it is. So like Jackie with your pain, right? Like accepting that you maybe had pain in the moment and then it also helps to kind of flush it out because you're not sitting like, oh, I can't believe this pain's here and this is so annoying. It's going to mess up my whole day and, you know, all those other kinds of thoughts. So when I work with the people I work with, we definitely start small, especially with kids because they just, you know, don't have uh, long attention spans. But I would <laughs> I would also say that a lot of adults probably don't nowadays either. Um, I would say between two and five minutes is probably a good starting point, just depending on how you think you're feeling in the moment and in the day. If you uh, five minutes sounds scary, then start with two. Um, it doesn't even have to be that long. It can be 30 seconds of, you know, what am I looking at around me? What am I noticing and thinking while I'm looking? Or like Chris was looking out a window. What am I thinking while I'm looking at the grass and watching the the cat and being able to say, okay, that cat is walking down the street. I'm thinking it might go dig up the dirt. It is just walking though. And then, you know, you can add in some breathing or something like that. Um, There's a lot of layers to it. You can certainly get much more in depth, but it can be as simple as that, which I I think is always important to remind people. And those self-critical thoughts and judgmental thoughts are all going to come up, especially at the beginning. That's just how our minds work. So being able to say, okay, I'm noticing this and it's okay to have it but not getting stuck in it, just kind of reminding yourself, okay, now I'm going <laughs> to, we always, my kids do like, we do it with clouds. So it's like, okay, here's a cloud of one thought. And then we're going to like jump to the next cloud, which is like, okay, now we're focusing back on our breathing or now we're focusing back like and clouds keep going. Right. So your thought will just keep moving out of the way um, and not getting stuck on the cloud <laughs> for lack of a better word. Uh, those are the kinds of the things that I tend to to start with that make it seem easy and less scary, Jackie P. That, that, you know, that's funny. You said the five senses thing. Cause my wife, 
she's a preschool teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do remember the, the census and she did her master's paper project for now. I don't know what it's called uh, on mindfulness and teaching kids. And that's what she did. And apparently it worked. I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't running a, a school, a class for children, but um, you know, Chris, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you, you run into a lot of folks who are also right. Starting their mindfulness journey. Right. And, and, you know, whether it be meditating or mindful walking um, or mindful eating, right? You know, if if I listen to this podcast today, right, and I'm like, you know what, I want to start that. What would you say is, you know, first step? Like, what's like your the smallest goal, right, whether maybe time or, you know, how do you maybe help folks start out on their journey? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think you want to start the journey – um, well, uh, you know, what is, what is their journey? Why are they doing this? What within their life has brought them to this moment? You know, um, and, and I think using that, um, you can help tell that story that's unique and personal and why, you know, how to progress and what's holding them back. And because that's all part of the story. Um, and I would say that, you know, the mind is something that if, you know, if you haven't been paying attention to it for a long time and you just kind of let it go on cruise control and you've been fine ever since, um, and you're just now paying attention to it. Yeah. It's going to be hard. It's, it's like definitely going to be hard. I mean, are things, things that, that are worth it, are they easy? Right. And from all this stuff that, you know, Schaefer's talking about. I mean, uh, Doc Mock is talking about in regards to that benefits, you know, having, well, look, guys, what do they say? The average person uses the brain 10%, right? That's on average. Most people don't meditate or are mindful, right? When those statistics were being uh, put together, right? So there is a whole world of possibilities and stuff you can, there's other, you know, there's, a, there's other realities, forms of realities you can tap into and make things happen for yourself. And I would say that as long as you are persistent in that, and I would say, you know, if you, if you do starting with just simple breathing exercises, that can be 30 seconds. Uh, you know, the Marines use breathing exercises, totally normal to do that, to get in the zone, um, to, to stay in, you know, a peak performance area. You can use breathing exercises to be stimulated, to calm down. You can, you can just simply feel an emotion. And then from there, Identify the emotion and understand what that emotion is trying to tell you about your current life situation. Are you frustrated? Frustration is an important emotion. It tells you that what you're doing right now isn't working. You need to find a solution. And so it's like not just, you know, I would say two, five minutes, it's fine. But I would say if you have intention, do a breathing exercise with intention, understand how it makes you feel, and then use that again and again if it works. Um, some things work, some things don't, depending on your individual constitution. So, um, and there's always going to be things. It's like if it's a, it's a, it's a mirror and there's tons of cloud, there's tons of, uh, you know, moisture on it. You got to wipe it off to see clearly. And uh, some people haven't been doing that. And uh, the moisture just keeps on coming. I mean, we get, what, six billion ads to us a day. And if you don't, if you can't figure out a way to sift through all that noise to see your reflection clearly, um, it's going to be continually hard. So I would just say it's a practice. It's your practice. Do it with intention and motivation. Um, and it will get easier from there. Well, that's, that's a, that's a great point, uh, Chris, you know, and I, I think you could apply that to almost a lot of things, right? If, if you're trying to eat healthier, right. If you're trying to exercise more, right. It has to be something that you want to do and want to stick to. Right. Um, if if you don't do it, don't do it consistent, you know, it may not work. It may work for a little bit, but ultimately, um, you know, it, 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 it needs to be something that you want to stick to, but, you know, speaking of, you know, how many ways that we can apply mindfulness, right. Um, there are a plethora, um, of studies out there that, you know, did, did, you know, had people try being mindful and to control different, you know, symptoms or illnesses um doc can you walk us through maybe some of those studies that that they, we've done over the last few years 
Sure. You know, um, so the most obvious application of mindfulness practice practices would be in Ellie's world, which would be depression, anxiety, which is affecting apparently six out of every 10 Americans right now and slowly and steadily rising. Uh, there was a very abrupt increase during the last year uh, for obvious reasons. Um, but apart from that, you know, the applications of meditation mindfulness practices are numerous. You can lower your blood pressure with just mindfulness practices. And this is likely due to that balance, like Chris was talking about, of your fight or flight hormones, adrenaline, noradrenaline, with the more calming ones like dopamine and serotonin. You can normalize those. Um, it prevents cardiovascular disease. You know, I'm writing a, an article right now, and one of the things we're talking about is how heart disease affects men uh, more commonly than women. And the reason is not as simple as, well, men make testosterone more so than women do. It's our ability to cope with stress is much more poor than women. Um, and so being able to empower yourself as a man and deal with those stressful events will help you to prevent cardiovascular disease. In my world, gastroenterology, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, which is people have a very sensitive colon. If you inflate a balloon in my colon, I may not feel it, but in their colons, they may feel it. Um, and in these people, it does actually reduce the severity of symptoms. And then uh, the next one, which affects a ton of young people in America, is inflammatory bowel disease, Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. These people are young. They're very, very sick. And we just did a pod podcast with Dr. Uh, Mo Naim and Dr. Susan Case, where we talked about these patients. And they have such a high disconnect between their brain and their gut that this is a way to, to unify these things. And they actually have found in randomized data that all other treatments equalize that mindfulness practices can reduce the severity of symptoms. Now it's not all roses, right? There are warnings. Um, one thing, and we found this when we pulled a systematic review that was done in 2017, which is basically you take a lot of good studies, you filter down to the good ones, and then you take the data of all those good ones and put them together and look at what comes out. And in this study, they, said that one mindfulness practice isn't necessarily better than another. And they also did show that certain people with bipolar disease, uh, so manic depression is what a lot of people cause uh, call it, or um, diseases in which they have hallucinations would have worsening of some of those symptoms during initiation of mindfulness practices. So, so I would just say you know, for those of out, out, out there uh, of you that do have these sorts of conditions, you know, make sure that you're working with somebody that can help you with the mindfulness and can also help you with your psychological condition. So I, I hope that that um, answers your question. I'm going to turn it back over to Jackie P. Wonderful. Interesting. So thank you, Doc Mock, with bringing the, the, the science into this. Um, I, I think it's... Um, I think it's important to understand that, um, you know, these, these, these things are here to help, right? Um, it's, it's, you know, the mindfulness and meditation, right? I, I think still not as much as before, but still has a connotation, right? Of like, you know, sitting with your arms crossed and saying home and hitting gongs, right? And everything. And, you know, and it's not like that. It's really just, pausing and, and taking the time and, and understanding where you are and not creating realities for yourself. Right. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I definitely want to have a couple more questions, but uh, what we're going to do real quick is take a quick break. And then after break, I'll have questions for both of you, Chris and Ellie. We'll be right back. What's going on, Maximal Beings? It's Doc Mock here. Many of you are returning to the gym now, but some are not going back. Regardless of what you plan, Rogue has got the right gear to fit your needs. I personally own a barbell set and love it. The black op shorts are sweat resistant and flexible for getting deep in your squats. 
Head on over to MaximalBeing.com slash Rogue for our referral link. Order three items and they ship for free. And as usual, it's Doc Mock, and I'm here to maximize your pathway to wellness. If you're stuck at home and cannot make it to the grocery store, delivery may be the best way to stay clean and healthy. Instacart is the national leader in the direct-to-home delivery service. With numerous major chains and food from smaller stores, you can get those local veggies sent directly to your doorstep. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com slash Instacart and maximize your nutrition today. And we're back, Maximal Beans. I hope you didn't miss us too much while you were <laughs> concentrating of, you know, what's around you and what you're smelling and what you're seeing, feeling and tasting. Um, we have Chris here and Ellie, right? Uh, our, our, our guests are talking about mindfulness and meditation and just, you know, seeing how we can use our mind um, more than the average person, right? 10%, I think that's pretty low. And, uh, you know, if, if it is a muscle, right, we don't skip leg day, probably shouldn't skip mind day either. Um, so I, I do have a couple questions for you both. Um, and you may know what these questions are already. Um, so the first question, and I'll start with you, Ellie, what is your favorite exercise? Mm, that's a great question, Jackie P. Um, I love a lot of exercise, which makes it so challenging. I love hiking, which I unfortunately have not gotten to do a whole lot of recently, although it was 60 degrees today. So I'm hoping for that. But overall, I think um, I'm really into strength training. So I like lifting heavy weights and feeling strong and uh, powerful. You know, I think being a woman too, there's a lot of stigma about lifting weights and being able to to be thin and lean and, you know, the cardio bunny, as opposed to the strong, uh, the strong feeling that I love so much. So I think that's part of why I really like it. Um, that would be my favorite exercise, Jackie B. Okay. All right. So par okay. Weightlifting. What is your favorite weightlifting exercise? Ooh. Just one. If you had to do one for the rest of your life, only one Just for the one. rest of my life. Um, wow. I think I really like leg day. So I would say probably my favorite and least favorite leg day exercise are lunges. Lunges, lunges all day. Okay. <laughs> you know, I haven't brought it up all this entire cast, but I have to ask, especially since the, it's the whole family. Do you have ridiculously large calf muscles as well? I don't. <laughs> I didn't get the gene. I'm so what? mad. You have second, no idea. You the second no you idea. said leg day, I was like, oh, she's she's definitely got those watermelons hanging under her kneecaps for sure. <laughs> no, I was like, you, it's got to run into the family. Oh. You want to get into the psychology of it. Maybe the reason my legs are my favorite is because I envy my dad and my brother who have ah, killer calves. I see. Interesting. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Chris, same question to you. What is your favorite exercise? Yeah, sure. I would say anything that's not, I don't have to call exercise. So like hiking, I wouldn't call exercise. I do it for fun. Skiing, same thing. Uh, you know, if I'm uh, kayaking, mountain biking, even if I'm, you know, road biking, you know, I'm just having fun, looking at nature, being outside and I'm uh, enjoying it. And, and Hey, I'm, you know, killing calories while I'm doing it. So um, that's my favorite. Cardio, a little bit of the, the movement. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm very kinesthetic. It actually helps gotcha. me be more creative and put together uh, complex problems and solve things that way as well. Well, I guess that, that helps in your, in your uh, software line of work huh? kind of think of things right just be on the bike interesting you know who's like that as well i hate to say it but dominic toretto don't know if you're fast and furious fans but in those when he says those 10 seconds or less he's free right it's mindfulness even in street racing he's being mindful because he's only thinking about the car i'm just saying i'm just saying stay Flow state, man. That's yeah. the thing. Meditation get you right in flow state. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so next question. And Chris, we're going to start with you this time. What is the craziest diet you have been on or tried? 
Yeah. Yeah, sure. Actually my, so my um, yoga and meditation teacher and good friend, um, he led me on this uh, back in the fall and it was an Ayurvedic cleanse. So it was, it was, um, it was roughly three weeks ish and did a couple of days um, where we cooled down, started eating basic foods and then we're kind of just uh, eating uh, kitchery, uh, which is a combination of spices and uh, mung beans and rice. Uh, you know, really easy for your body to break down, also super good for you. And then every day, the craziest part about every day, uh, so you weaned in and then you're eating just kitchery for, or no, eating basic, just steamed rice and veggies before the kitchery. So just steamed rice and veggies, like I wasn't even adding salt or pepper or anything probably should have been adding salt. I learned that afterwards. But um, so while we're doing this, like the steamed rice and stuff, we just drink uh, ghee. So every day you drink ghee and you add an extra teaspoon. And like what's happening is the ghee is going straight through, like down your intestinal tract um, so that when you do your, your purge day, your colon just cleans right out. And then you start eating kitchery and then you pull back on. So it's about three weeks and, uh, I had a pretty rough day where my, you know, all my levels were really low just because I wasn't paying attention to my mineral levels. So that's my fault. But uh, that was the craziest one I've ever been on. And it also incorporated yoga, pranayama, breathing exercises, um, and also some self-reflection as well. So now I'm going to have to pull the layman card. Ghee, right? If I could, I'm going to try to, is the is that the, the, the suck of butter, right? The clarified butter, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. I learned this from the whole, yep. Um, and, uh, so you had that, so basically you were greasing the engine up and lubricating the body for interesting. Well, so what happens is your, uh, your stomach actually naturally produces ghee. And so when you're eating the steamed rice and veggies, yes, you're lubing the body, but also you're tricking the body to thinking that you're consuming extra fats. And so it actually burn, you know, burn what you have already. It helps, helps with that process and lean out. Doc Mock, is that ketosis? <laughs> it, that- it's it's very much like ketosis i i would also just say um your body probably doesn't make ghee exactly but your body probably <laughs> makes similar basic essential uh fat fatty acids okay uh, yeah thanks for catching me on that no no it's all good thanks um, Dr. Mock. and and an interesting thing that uh chris and i talked a lot about while he was entering this you know kind of uh cleansing or detox was about the lactose uh, composition of ghee, which we pulled a lot of articles and, and, you know, the, the content of lactose is actually a lot, or milk sugar is a lot lower in ghee. So people that are lactose intolerance can better tolerate ghee as opposed to a lot of other, uh, lactose containing foods. So just a side note. All right. That's a good side note. Okay. Ellie. What's your um, crazy diet? I will preface this by saying I do not recommend anyone tries the one that I'm about to tell you about because it is not useful and not helpful and I felt awful. But there was a time in my life that I got a juicer for Christmas and I decided to try a juice cleanse. I don't remember how long it was supposed to be, but I think I made it about 26 hours in. It was something crazy. Obviously, everything was liquid. Um it was one of the ones that also included those cayenne. I know I got my heart my hands going. Chris is making fun of me. Um, those cayenne pepper drinks where it's like lemon and water and cayenne pepper. And it was supposed to flush everything out. And then you would juice down a bunch of different vegetables that you'd have throughout the day. Remember one was like only celery and spinach and it tastes awful. I still can't eat celery because that's all I think about. Um it was supposed to have a lot of detoxing effects and help you lose weight. And maybe it would have helped if I could stick to it, but I didn't think it was worth the way I was feeling. And I don't understand why it was a thing. Maybe Doc Mock could shed some more light on it, but I did try it for <laughs> those 26 hours and it was miserable. <laughs> Doc, how many, how wrong is this? Diet? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> It was on Pinterest, so it was totally legitimate. Oh, Lordy. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Where to Not start, good. right? Yeah, we didn't talk about that one. 
<laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. That's yeah. that sounds just not fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, was- you know, and we said it about it all the time, right? Like a, a diet is like whether a diet is successful, right? If you go back to your old habits, what was the point, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I actually do remember hearing about the whole cayenne in syrup. Yeah, or like yeah, some yeah. sort of honey or something. That mm-hmm. sounds, yeah, no. And I would okay. say not only was it, I went back to my old habits, but I did like worse because then I was like, well, I want a cheeseburger now because yeah. I couldn't even, I, I wasn't supposed to eat solid food. So definitely did not recommend if you ever come across that. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I, I definitely think on, on the office, Kelly did something like that. She <laughs> only drank yeah. like yeah. cayenne pepper, <laughs> maple syrup for a week yes. or something. And then and she, then passed, she out. passed out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was a good lesson there. Okay. All right. Um, question number three, and uh, we'll go back to you, Chris. What is your favorite health book and why? Yeah, that's actually, I, I, you know, it's hard to actually choose, but one of the, it's one, it's really simple. It's easy. It's easy to read. It's called the three day effect by Lawrence Williams. And it's and what it really helped me come back to is the importance of uh, having these moments of awe in your life um, that then pay back dividends in terms of your ability to be happy um, and engaging and living a fulfilling life. And if you go back to, you know, what we were talking about mindfulness, I just try and be mindful now more about how I can create more awe, awe, awe type of moments, you know, in my life. And that's, you know, being a part of nature and seeing beautiful things and because all is a beautiful thing and it helps it helps create these memories that then last us and pay back dividends for a lifetime. So simple book, easy, but helps reinforce something I think is very important. Wonderful. And can you repeat that? I was trying to write it down, but then I was listening to you as well. Is the name of the book? The three day effect. Three day effect. Okay. Yeah, it's by Florence Williams, I think it is. And she had a number of different cohorts and they brought them out into nature and studied their, uh, uh, measured their levels and were able to show drops in a number of different things all the way down to cholesterol. Oh, wow. Interesting. I think that was a study. We had a study on that about yep. cholesterol. Yeah. And uh, Ellie, what about yourself? So the book that came to my mind, you know, I'm going to plug mental health a little bit, which connects to mindfulness and meditation for sure. But um, I always recommend to any, anyone, but especially my teenagers, um, it's called The Happiness Project. It's by Gretchen Rubin. Um, She did kind of a year long study, if you want to call it that. She's not a scientist in any way, shape or form, where she just tried to do things that cultivated happiness, Um, mindful walking to work every day and cleaning out her closet to kind of declutter and smiling at people when she walks by. And she kind of just talks about the shift in her mind and how she, you know, our whole society and culture just kind of hits the ground running. And we're always thinking about the next thing like we've been talking about today and taking the time to say, am I really happy in what I'm doing? How can I cultivate happiness on a day-to-day basis as opposed to looking forward to like, oh, I can do X, Y, Z at this point that will bring me happiness. It's like, no, you can do it day-to-day, hour-to-hour and things like that. So love that book. Um, It's also kind of humorous and goofy and silly too. So it's not like a, sorry, uh, Doc Mock, it's not like a boring medical snooze book. Um, (laughs) I found it engaging and I I often fall asleep when I read. So it kept me awake. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. You mentioned the concept of happiness today in, in the room while I was doing procedures. My team and I were talking about, I guess somebody had had terrible service at a restaurant and they're like, I'm never going to forget about how terrible this server is. And I mean, I can remember having bad service at restaurants before, but the server I remember the most, his name was Randy and it was in <laughs> Pittsburgh. I went there on a guide trip and this guy starts off by I'm Randy. I'm in the business of dealing out smiles. And the guy was just so upbeat and I will never forget him for the rest of my life. And I think that, you know, one of the mindfulness practices that 
we touched on a little bit is just your ability to shed that light and share that light with other people around you. Just saying thank you, just showing gratitude, you know, really does add a lot to that person's day. And it also adds a lot to your day just mm-hmm. by saying that. Try it. Trust me. It's not corny mm-hmm. saying gratitude. It it really does help. Um, and the last point I just wanted to bring up, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about how to start mindfulness, but it's a continuous practice and you can do it at any point during your day. I do it all the time. If I'm in a stressful situation in the middle of a procedure, right? Somebody's bleeding to death. You take a deep breath and then you Mm -hmm. focus in and you're right there in that moment and you deliver better outcomes for that patient. So it's not just something where you have to sit in a room. You can do it at any point in time to you, Jackie P. I mean, I don't think I've ever been in a stressful situation where there's someone bleeding to death in front of me and it's my job to stop it. But if there's any better commercial for you should try mindfulness for your job is that last 45 seconds. So, I mean, I agree completely and fully. I, I think mindfulness and, you know, just being aware of what you're thinking and how you're thinking, right? The, if you really listen to those thoughts that come up and pay attention, you can really see where your mindset is about just your general being, your life. So even if you, you know, if you can't sit and you can't, you know, take a minute, just pay attention to what you're thinking, right? Like if you're dealing with a, a client or if you're at, you know, at the store and someone is saying something and you have a reaction, right? Which we're all natural reaction, but like, think about that reaction. How, how did you react? Right. And just be more aware, stop and smell the roses. <laughs> if you're street racing, you know, take in the street race, right? <laughs> Those 10 seconds or less, you're free. Don't worry about your crew or the grocery store you're running. Right. So, you know, doc mock, I mean, like I said, I, I've thankfully I've never had to stop someone from bleeding to death, (laughs) but I mean, mindfulness can definitely, in my opinion, right. In my humble Jackie P opinion can be a game changer. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, before we close out Chris or Ellie, any closing thoughts, any, you know, tips or anything for, for the folks that are listening in. Oh yeah. Tons. Tons. It's too bad we weren't able to get all of this stuff. I got so many notes here. Yeah, I mean, I would just say, you know, it is a struggle. You know, uh, being happy is one thing, um, but even just being mindful. And, you know, the, the, the Shaolin Temple has, has said there's five hindrances, self-desire, ill will, dullness, heaviness with life, restfulness, and skeptical doubt that will be a hindrances for us on our journey. And as long as we can identify those and be able to, uh, you know, be aware of them, accept those and uh, hopefully build beyond that. That's something we want to want to do because ultimately it's going to help us with our happiness. I, I would say, you know, I could, if you guys need to, I'm, I'm here for you. Uh, and I'd be more than happy to chat more about it, but I'd say if, if you can focus on your set point in life, and what makes you happy and what makes you the, you know, who you are, um, try to live that as much as possible. And don't bring in this, you know, this cloud that of conditioning that life brings on upon us as soon as we go to go to kindergarten um, to today. So. Yeah, I think another thing, too, that I was just I've been thinking a lot about is making the making yourself a priority in whatever way it looks like, you know, certainly mindfulness and meditation is really important. And I, I would, I would hope after listening to this, that everybody is saying, I want to go try it. But like Doc Mock said, it does take time, but it is also really important to take that time for yourself. You can't be there for your husband, your wife, your friends, your children, your coworkers, your clients. If you don't take that time for yourself, it can be simple. It can be a few minutes every morning on your drive into work and your shower, you know, before you go to bed at night and make yourself a priority because you're worth it. And you deserve to be able to feel the effects of it in the long-term, um, the long-term effects and how great it can be. 
That that's really well said. Yeah. I, um, and for any of you that are interested in a guided meditation with the assistance of Chris Shrope, uh, DM me on social media or shoot me an email at team at maximalbeing.com. I'm going to send it over to Jackie P to take us out. Well, thanks doc mock. Um, Chris, Ellie, um, due to the heavy nepotism in this podcast, I'm sure we will be seeing you again. Cause I definitely would love to dive deeper to a second level and have maybe a part two of this, but I do thank you all for being here. Um, those who are listening, thank you for listening. And also try to take a moment, you know, take 30 seconds and a minute and just open up those senses and just see, see what, what you re- re- receive. And as always, I'm Jackie P your layman here with doc mock GI Superman and We've been speaking with Chris and Ellie, and uh, thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you next time. What's going on, Maximal Beings? Doc Mock here. If you haven't done so already, leave us a comment and hit the subscribe button. Let your friends and family know. That way we can get the word out and continue to bash the bro science.